CUA is the voice of urology in Canada. Europedia Canada is your resource for education. Visit CUA.org. Hi everyone, um, my name is Ricardo Rendon. Uh, we are going to talk tonight about uh, metastatic cancer-sensitive prostate cancer. Sort of a practical approach, not a lot of data, um, uh, quite stripped uh, presentation uh, to make it a little uh, easier uh, for using it in practice. Uh, this um, is a um, uh, so just so so you know if you have any questions uh, there's a, a button at the bottom um, in the question and answer section and you can uh, enter the questions or comments right in there and we will be checking those so this event is accredited uh, group learning activity section one for the uh, Royal College and you can claim up to one hour uh, this uh, program has been supported financially by Astellas uh, Pharma. These are my disclosures. I have basically uh, worked with all the uh, important players in the advanced prostate cancer arena, whether it's advisory boards, speakers, or in clinical trials or research funding. These are our objectives. The first is the identification and assessment of patients with metastatic gastrocensitive prostate cancer. The second one is selection of treatment uh, based on patient tumor characteristics. And finally, optimizing multidisciplinary patient uh, care plans. So this is uh, the prostate cancer landscape. Uh, we have uh, seen different versions of this. The one thing to remember is that uh, patients who have uh, metastatic cancer-resistant prostate cancer, which is where uh, the development of uh, these drugs uh, started, are um, the ones where you see most of the morbidity and uh, mortality. So all patients who are going to die of prostate cancer will die with uh, metastatic castration uh, resistant prostate cancer. And that's where they tend to have a lot of the morbidity and the ancillary treatments uh, with radiation and palliative care. But uh, we're gonna talk today about metastatic prostate cancer and there are two ways to, to get there. One is a newly diagnosed uh, uh, patient who presents with uh, metastatic prostate cancer from the very beginning, never treated before, or the patient who uh, was treated for localized disease with surgery or radiation, and eventually uh, ended up having a biochemical recurrence. And before treatment was started, uh, he uh, developed uh, metastatic disease. And that's why uh, we're going to, uh, what we're gonna talk about. And one of the things is that all these patients will eventually uh, progress to metastatic cancer-resistant prostate cancer if they live uh, long, enough, long enough. And you can see that these patients progress for metastatic cancer-sensitive prostate cancer uh, quite uh, rapidly. Uh, this is a, a study that was uh, 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 present, uh, published in uh, European Urology. is the control arm from the stampede uh, group and you can see there on um, the green line that uh, pay, the, of this uh, almost a thousand patients with newly diagnosed uh, prostate cancer uh, who were treated with ADT only on the green line, the median uh, time to, uh, uh, to progression was 11 months. So these patients progress very, very rapidly. So only in 11 months, they're going to be uh, uh, progressing. So that's why uh, we have to be uh, more aggressive at treating our patients with uh, the novo metastatic disease. 
What about uh, the role of local control? So in terms of local control, as uh, you know, uh, the Stampede uh, trial also evaluated the use of radiotherapy uh, to the prostate uh, in patients with the novel prostate cancer. Uh, the, the primary objective was not met uh, because overall survival was uh, negative, but the uh, progression-free survival uh, was positive. But when they actually looked at the burden of disease. So they divided the patients between low burden and high burden of disease. And they found that patients with low burden metastatic disease actually um, ended up benefiting uh, from radiation therapy to the primary. So because of that, it has become um, uh, a significant change in the way we practice. So patients who have low volume uh, metastatic prostate cancer uh, should be considered for radiation therapy. This is not a level one, um, grade one recommendation because it was a secondary analysis, but it was a strong uh, recommendation uh, nonetheless. So now let's talk about systemic therapy. So uh, everything started with, uh, with Charted. Uh, when they looked at their data, uh, so charted was uh, patients randomized to um, uh, standard of care or docetaxel. And uh, there was uh, no, uh, when they looked at the uh, subgroups between high volume and low volume disease, uh, they uh, were able to see that patients in low volume did not derive a significant benefit. And in fact, uh, the patients uh, tended to do worse in the long term when they had the combination of docetaxel. But as you would anticipate, patients with high volume uh, disease ended up benefiting uh, from uh, chemotherapy and hormones uh, and derived an improved survival of about 17 months. And that was a significant uh, gain. So following uh, the data from Charted, we had uh, two uh, trials uh, from um, with uh, abiraterone, we had the latitude trial, so it is a pharma uh, trial, and we had a stampede uh, tri uh, trial with abiraterone as well. So this in particular is the latitude trial. They showed a significant difference in overall survival um, of about 17 months, so 16.8 months, the same thing that we saw uh, for uh, in the charted trial. And this was with a medium follow-up that is very respectable of almost uh, four and a half uh, years. Uh, one thing that was very relevant of this particular uh, trial is that patients who benefit the most uh, from being on abiraterone uh, were uh, patients who had high volume uh, uh, disease as evaluated per charted or as evaluated per the latitude uh, criteria. So uh, because of this data, uh, we um, decided in our guidelines to recommend the use of abiraterone for patients with uh, high volume uh, disease um, with a strong uh, recommendation and could be used in low volume disease, but uh, with a lower grade of recommendation. This is the stampede data. So again, this is not a, a pharma data. So the difference between uh, pharma data and uh, stampede data is the actual uh, pharma data is a lot richer in terms of uh, the number of um, uh, the amount of data that we see and the data points. So this is an update that was uh, just presented at ESMO this uh, past fall. Uh, so they showed their uh, trial with a thousand patients with the novo metastatic um, 
prostate cancer. This is an update at 6.1 years. And what you can see here with uh, the patients on um, standard of care, which is ADT only, uh, compared with the patients on ADT plus abiraterone, the survival difference was 2.8 years. So just with a medium follow-up of uh, six years, you're already gaining almost uh, three years of, um, of uh, survival. So the survival for the patients on abiraterone was 6.6 .6 years and uh, on uh, ADT only was 3.8 years. So this is a, a dramatic difference and it is very stable going out uh, several uh, years into follow-up. One of the things that is a bit different uh, from the data in latitude is that this uh, particular uh, new update from uh, from ESMO showed that both patients who had high risk, both group of patients or low risk disease, they had, uh, they derived an improvement uh, from being on abiraterone. Whether you look at it from uh, a latitude risk criteria or here in this slide, a charted risk criteria. Uh, so this uh, has not been uh, published yet. Uh, but it was uh, presented, so we're waiting for the publication. And I'm sure there will be some uh, changes that we'll made uh, to uh, our guidelines. But because this is not a primary endpoint, when we make the recommendation, it's not going to be as strong as uh, it was in the latitude, based on the latitude uh, data. So this is uh, new data. Uh, um is working very well in the long term, and at least in this trial, low volume and high volume seem to be uh, responding uh, to these patients. So then uh, uh, newer uh, data, this was uh, presented uh, last year. So this is the Titan trial. So remember the Titan trial is done uh, with apalutamide uh, plus ADT versus uh, placebo plus ADT. So uh, the difference between this trial and the previous trials, uh, whether it was all the stampede trials with abiraterone uh, and uh, um, or chemotherapy in uh, stampede or in the latitude trial, is that this is an old comer uh, trial. So it was in high volume, low volume disease, or high burden and low uh, burden. Uh, this is all uh, comer uh, patients. So what they showed is that there is a 33% uh, reduction in the risk of death um, with a median uh, uh, follow-up of uh, 24 months. And um, so um, this is why apalutamide uh, became um, accepted for the use in patients with uh, metastatic castor-sensitive uh, prostate cancer uh, when uh, whether it's high volume or low volume disease. This um, uh, plot shows you the different uh, subgroups and, and it worked quite well in most of the subgroups, but I'd like to bring your attention to, uh, to two things is uh, right there and the red boxes is patients with visceral metastases or prior use of docetaxel because there were some patients in this trial that had, who had received uh, docetaxel before that it doesn't seem to work as well for uh, these patients. And although you cannot say, because this is a secondary analysis, that this, that this is uh, shouldn't be used in patients with visceral disease 
or with prior docetaxel is uh, intriguing that these patients are not responding as well. So the next two uh, studies are ARCHIS. Um, and these are, again, all comers, um, a trial um, uh, put together uh, by um, Stellas. So uh, ARCHIS, the difference between ARCHIS and all the other trials is that the endpoint is radiographic progression-free survival. Remember that all the other uh, trials have shown an overall survival uh, difference. So this was a radiographic progression-free survival trial. Uh, the follow-up was a bit short at a um, I believe 14 months, 14.4 uh, months. So enzalutamide in patient in all comers with metastatic castro-sensitive prostate cancer showed that it was beneficial uh, statistically and clinically from a radiographic progression um, uh, point of view. And when you look at the uh, subgroup analysis, it worked regardless of whether it had low volume of disease or high volume of disease. And uh, in this particular trial, it, there was no difference as to whether they received chemotherapy before uh, or not. So uh, this is a, um, uh, these are the findings in the ARCHIS group. And this part is a little different than what we saw in, um, in the Titan study. Um, and uh, secondary endpoint is time to castration resistant prostate cancer. So uh, there was a, a dramatic uh, difference with a uh, reduction of about uh, 72% uh, to the time of castrate resistant prostate cancer. And you can see again in this study, if you look at the blue line, the, the median time uh, to progression is again about uh, 12 months so very similar to what we saw in the uh, stampede um, uh, trial in the placebo uh, group so they progress very rapidly and this is uh, the the final uh, trial in this group of trials is the ensamet trial so the ensamet trial um, is an intergroup trial and it was again similar to the titan trial and the arches trial is that an all-comers uh, type of patient so patients with metastatic uh, castor sensitive prostate cancer previously um, um, with with um, no limits in the in the in the in terms of the amount of uh, metastatic disease. Uh, so you can see here that there is a significant improvement in uh, the survival. So a 33% improvement in survival, uh, exactly the same number that you did see in uh, the Titan uh, trial. The difference with this trial is that patients uh, were allowed to um, uh, receive uh, docetaxel in conjunction with um, uh, enzalutamide uh, because at the time that this trial was uh, uh, halfway through the, th through the trial, um, and so, uh, docetaxel became the standard of care uh, for the treatment of patients with metastatic castor-sensitive prostate cancer. So you couldn't randomize patients with just hormones only. So about 40% uh, of the patients um, did um, uh, receive 44% uh, of the patients receive chemotherapy. So when we look at all comer, uh, uh, patients, 
who received enselutamide versus placebo, there was a uh, significant survival advantage of about a 33% uh, improvement. And uh, the one thing that, that I like to, to show here is that it worked uh, quite well for, for most of the groups. And uh, as we saw in Titan, as you can see here at the bottom is uh, the one in the red box is visceral metastasis. It didn't seem to work as well uh, for patients who had visceral metastasis. So again, you cannot make conclusions out of this uh, uh, subgroup analysis, but um, it is intriguing that it was similar uh, to that seen in uh, the Titan uh, study. Uh, this is uh, the data for patients receiving uh, docetaxel and, and uh, testosterone suppression. Um, so blue is uh, just with uh, non-steroidal antiandrogen and uh, the black line is uh, with enselutamide. So there was no difference in terms of survival uh, for patients who, that's the curve on the right, who receive um, docetaxel plus uh, enselutamide. Uh, but when you look at progression-free survival, uh, there seems to be a difference in, first in, 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 the, in favor of uh, the combination. And uh, these two uh, graphs, these are patients who did not have docetaxel. And you can see that these patients, this group of patients benefited uh, both from a progression-free survival point of view and uh, from a uh, overall uh, survival point of view. And the, the one thing is not only the patients did not derive an overall survival uh, with the combination with docetaxel and salutamide, but they also had uh, increased risk of side effects and toxicity. So for that reason, uh, we recommended against the use of combination of enselutamide and docetaxel um, concomitantly uh, for patients with uh, the novel metastatic uh, prostate cancer. Um, one thing that is important to highlight is uh, subsequent therapies, and you can see, <coughs> sorry, you can see that um, uh, patients were quite well uh, treated. It means that uh, the the antiandrogen group, which um, is the the control group, uh, there were all the patients were well treated. But when you look at the very last uh, row, is that no treatment yet? Uh, so these patients, 15% uh, of the patients uh, at the median follow up had not been treated in the non enzalutamide group, where there was still a third of the patients who had not received. Uh, subsequent treatment um, in um, in the enzalutamide group. So that's another um, way to show that the treatment seems to be working quite well. Uh, so we have chemotherapy, we have um, um, abiraterone, we have enzalutamide, and we have apalutamide for our patients. So the first question is, how do we choose uh, between chemo and um, and uh, oral agents. And uh, there are no head-to-head -head comparisons. Uh, the only um, uh, potential uh, comparison is they, uh, from the Stampede uh, trial, uh, they compare the uh, results on the outcomes of patients from two different arms. One was the patient who had chemotherapy, uh, patients who have chemotherapy, and the other one was the patients who had um, 
abiraterone. So they were not randomized to the same trial, but they have the same inclusion criteria and they were accrued during the same time period. So it's as close as it gets and they were not able to derive an overall survival difference between patients who receive chemotherapy and patients who uh, receive uh, abiraterone upfront. So if there is no survival difference, the other thing that we can look at is the quality of life. So this was presented last year at uh, ASCO-GU. Uh, in this uh, study, they look uh, from a, a subgroup of patients from the Stampede trial uh, who had prospectively uh, uh, collected their uh, quality of life data. They showed, as you expect, that the docetaxel patients had a significant decrease in the quality of life, but we always thought that after a few months they will recover that. But you can see that up until at least two years, there is a significant um, uh, difference between the quality of life of patients uh, between abiraterone and docetaxel. So now uh, we see uh, data showing that there doesn't appear to be overall survival uh, difference. Number two is that um, the patient's quality of life seems to still be better uh, for abiraterone two years out. And recently, uh, what was presented at ESMO last year is that the data, at least for abiraterone, because it has a really good follow-up of uh, 6.1 months, sorry, years of follow-up, is uh, very, very uh, stable. So it seems like air, um, oral agents um, uh, seem to be doing uh, quite well. So based on all this uh, information, uh, we um, developed the uh, Canadian Urological Association and Canadian Urooncology Group uh, guidelines for the management of metastatic castor-sensitive uh, prostate cancer. So first of all, for local therapy. So the recommendation for local therapy is uh, radiation to the primary. So it will be hormones and radiation to uh, the primary. And uh, no surgery because there is no data um, uh, for surgery. Uh, there is uh, clinical trials being done in this field. In terms of um, uh, high volume disease, so the recommendations is strong and is level one for abiraterone and uh, docetaxel, both from latitude and charted. So that's the recommendation. If you have a patient who has high volume uh, disease, you choose between abiraterone and docetaxel. Um, but uh, because the design of the trials for uh, palutamide with uh, titan and for insalutamide with arches and ensamed included all commerce patients and the treatments were both for uh, patients with low risk, low volume and high risk high volume disease, the recommendation is to use either apalutamide or ensalutamide in um, either uh, risk or volume of disease. The other recommendation that we made is that we should not be using ensalutamide uh, plus docetaxel in combination for uh, the management of uh, this patient. So um, this is uh, the, the what the way we're treating our patients now and uh, so this is has been stable data uh, for the last year a uh, year and a half and there is really other than the update of uh, the stampede data from last year there is really no uh, new data uh, making uh, things uh, change or making us revisit uh, these guidelines so uh, this should be our standard of care and the way we should be practicing practicing uh, nowadays. And uh, um, the GUASCO meeting just finished uh, about uh, 
uh, three weeks ago. And uh, what we uh, saw at that meeting uh, was nothing uh, of significant uh, importance uh, to make us consider revisiting our guidelines. So, uh, so that's the data, and that's where our guidelines essentially uh, came from. So I have a few cases, um, and uh, we're going to use a, a polling uh, uh, section. So, so the first case is a 60-year-old man. So he presents with back pain and a PSA of 500. On rectal examination, the prostate was uh, abnormal. It was uh, hard and with evidence of extraprostatic extension for a clinical T3. The biopsy showed an adenocarcinoma of the prostate, gleason 4 plus 5, great grouping uh, 4 in uh, 12 cores out of 12 cores, so very large volume, and otherwise uh, no uh, significant evidence of metastatic, of, of uh, significant uh, health issues. So a CT uh, was uh, performed, and uh, the CT shows a few things in the liver that are, are hemangiomas, uh, turned out to be uh, hemangiomas, and a bone scan that you're gonna have to trust me has a few metastases uh, in the spine, one uh, in the jaw and uh, another one in uh, one of the ribs. So the options are whether you would give ADT alone or ADT plus docetaxel, ADT plus an oral agent, or ADT plus docetaxel plus an oral agent, or ADT plus radiation therapy to the prostate and possibly add an oral agent. So remember, uh, so you, you can start voting now, but uh, remember the case is a patient with five PSA of 500, Gleason 9, previously healthy, and uh, metastasis to the skull, uh, jaw, um, the spine, and uh, the ribs, one rib. So, um, Cassian. So your answer is uh, ADT and ARAD, or ADT to the primary plus possibly something else. Okay. So in this uh, uh, particular patient. Uh, so this patient is not considered low volume anymore because he has metastasis outside of uh, his uh, spine and pelvis, and um, so he has uh, he also uh, so he has metastasis in the skull, in the ribs, and several uh, metastases in his spine. So uh, the treatment in this patient, uh, so this would be not a low volume, so it would be. Uh, high volume, but not particularly high risk. So I would consider uh, to give this patient a um, an oral uh, therapy, and uh, probably wouldn't do uh, radiation to the prostate because of the volume of disease, unless the patient needed to have some palliative radiation to the prostate for bleeding or other reasons. Cassian, you let me know if there are any comments specifically about this case. Okay, let's go with our second case. Uh, 
this is an 82 year old man. So in 2009 was diagnosed with a Gleason 4 plus 3, great grouping um, uh, 3. So, but he didn't want any treatment. As part of his past medical history, he has obesity, diabetes, cardiac history, but is still active. 10 years later, he presents with hematuria, urinary retention, and a PSA is done, and the PSA is 1.9. Because of his urinary retention, he had a TURP showing a Gleason 10 uh, prostate cancer. In the process of having this uh, uh, TURP, he rapidly developed progression of uh, back pain and loss of appetite. And the imaging reveals um, disease in his lymph glands, in his uh, bone, as you can see there in the bone scan uh, with multiple uh, meds to uh, ribs, spine, pelvis, and uh, uh, right humerus, and uh, liver meds. So uh, the patient was uh, uh, sent for evaluation. So what would you, how would you manage uh, this patient? So again, ADT alone, ADT plus radiation to the prostate, or ADT plus radiation to the prostate and uh, another medication, uh, oral agent, or ADT docetaxel, or ADT with uh, an oral, uh, novel oral agent. So, Cassian, maybe we can start voting. Uh, so, just remember, so it's 82, obesity, diabetics, cardiac history, but in decent shape, uh, Gleason 10, prostate cancer, liver meds, nodal meds. So, uh, the decision is, uh, most of you are saying uh, ADT plus an oral agent or ADT plus docetaxel. So there are a couple of concerns uh, here in this particular case. So one is the uh, type of disease that he has uh, now is uh, not not producing a lot of PSA. So there seems to be a significant uh, mutation in the androgen uh, receptor because the PSA is only 1.9. So in those patients, you like uh, to obtain tissue when uh, you do... Um, a CT and you find uh, uh, metastasis, for instance, in this case in the liver. But we recently did uh, TERP and we uh, found uh, uh, at least some 10 prostate cancer. So one of the indications for uh, chemotherapy is patients with large volume disease and liver metastasis. I can see most of you uh, uh, chose an oral uh, um, novel therapy, and it is a good option. The other option that could uh, be considered strongly is docetaxel, uh, particularly because of the, present, uh, the presence of multiple liver meds, rapid deterioration, and, um, and that discordant PSA with large volume disease and a low PSA. So because of that, um, he, I don't think he has a lot of time uh, to be treated and not respond well to one treatment. So I would probably, in this case, would go uh, with uh, docetaxel uh, just for that, those uh, reasons. Let me know if you have any comments or uh, and we can go back uh, to this particular case. Third case, so there's four cases in total. So the third case, this is a 75-year-old man he presents with a PSA of 45. 
His rectal exam showed a hard prostate, but no evidence of extraprostatic extension. Uh, the biopsy showed a Gleason 4 plus 3 in 5 out of 12 cores. The patient has history of uh, hypertension, high cholesterol, well-controlled medication, and um, his um, sugars are under control with just uh, uh, dietary, uh, dietary control. So the, this is the bone scan. You can see that there is about uh, four meds. So just as a reminder, 75, Gleason 7, T2, PSL 45, hypertension, dyslipidemia, and uh, high sugars control with diet. So what would be your treatment? Is it ADT alone? or ADT and radiation to the prostate, ADT and radiation to the prostate, and radiation to um, the metastasis, or ADT and docetaxel, ADT and an oral agent, or ADT plus an oral agent plus radiation to the prostate plus radiation to uh, the metastasis. So I'll let you vote. And um, Cassian, when you see uh, more activity, please uh, just display it. Okay, so ADT alone or ADT uh, with radiation to prostate and metastases or uh, ADT with combination of radiation to prostate metastasis and possibly an oral agent. So let's look back at this case. Um, so this uh, patient has uh, doesn't have large volume prostate cancer. So he's a low volume prostate cancer with a Gleason uh, 7. So he, uh, he meets the definition, regardless of how you look at it, whether it's low risk or low burden disease as per stampede or as per latitude, so he's a low volume patient. And because he has oligometastatic disease, uh, then he um, is a candidate obviously for ADT plus uh, radiation to the prostate. So what becomes, uh, so those are, that's the, the, the ideal treatment. What becomes a little more difficult now, and there are many trials looking at this is, when you have oligometastatic disease, we have a lot of trials now with patients uh, receiving uh, radiation to the metastases. So uh, up to four uh, METs. So some of these patients on trial are receiving radiation to the prostate and uh, to the, the, the metastases. The other thing is whether we're going to add uh, additional treatment. So uh, the only uh, evidence that we have uh, for combination of radiation and an oral agent so far, the best data is with abiraterone. Um, so you would uh, use abiraterone for two years. So, but there are multiple trials also uh, underway uh, looking at uh, adding um, an oral agent. So this patient, in my opinion, uh, should definitely receive radiation to the prostate. Uh, I would try to include him in a clinical trial for management of oligometastatic disease and um, obviously ADT, and the consideration uh, to adding an oral agent 
um, it's usually a decision that we make our uh, multi uh, D uh, rounds. Uh, something to highlight here he has hypertension, uh, dyslipidemia, and some problems with uh, with sugars. So that might um, um, uh, steer you away a little bit from abiraterone because of uh, prednisone. Uh, but I would still uh, give this patient abiraterone or any of the other oral agents. And um, this is the last case. Uh, so this is an 81-year-old man uh, who presented with intense knee pain uh, while he was playing tennis and he fractured uh, his tibia. The pathology from the tibia repair showed uh, prostate cancer and um, it, um, on rectal exam, uh, the, the rectal exam showed T3 uh, disease and his PSA was 22. So this is an 81-year-old uh, man, fairly healthy, with uh, T3 uh, Gleason uh, 22 prostate cancer, uh, who had a pathologic fracture, and uh, the bone scan only showed uh, one metastasis. So the options are ADT alone, uh, plus radiation to the metastasis, or radi uh, radiation to the prostate and metastasis, or adding docetaxel or oral novel agent or the combo with the oral agent, radiation to uh, metastasis and the prostate. So remember, 81, previously healthy, uh, single med, uh, T3 disease, uh, P, uh, uh, PSA of 22. So you can vote. So let's see uh, the answers. Okay, so the options are uh, radiation to the metastasis and prostate uh, or radiation uh, plus uh, of the, to, to the prostate and metastasis plus an oral agent or an oral agent plus ADT. Okay, so again, looking at this particular patient, so uh, a, a patient in particular, very small uh, volume metastatic disease. Uh, I think these patients are ideal uh, for inclusion in our um, um, oligometastatic trials. Uh, this patient would definitely benefit uh, from, even from a palliative point of view, uh, uh, from radiation to the, the uh, tibia and uh, from a, a preventing and delaying uh, the time to develop metastatic gastro-resistant prostate cancer and death, uh, treating his prostate, adding ADT, and again, uh, consideration for an oral agent, uh, but this uh, would probably be done um, on, uh, on, on trial uh, for us. Um, but uh, I think if we were at our uh, due cancer site team rounds, because there is only one med, uh, we probably just would just put that patient on ADT plus radiation uh, therapy to the metastasis and to the prostate, probably not using um, um, an oral agent in combination unless the patient was on a clinical trial. So, um, I do you have any questions? So there are no questions at this time. Okay, so, so as shown, um, uh, the data was growing uh, drastically uh, fast, and uh, but now it's a bit stable, at least uh, for this uh, particular stage. 
we're going to see a plethora of new trials within the next two or three years uh, using uh, different combinations. Um, now we're starting to uh, to see more uh, trials using PSMA PET scanning uh, for inclusion criteria and a lot of uh, trials um, for oligometastatic disease. So I want to thank you for your attention and uh, have a good night. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.